The subject for the evening talk is the supreme goal. Sometimes when we step back and take a general overview of our life, uh, we can uh, observe it in its totality and in its particular. In its particular, what I mean by that is that we look at so much of uh, what we have done and what we are doing and uh, what we uh, have to do. And there's endless details with uh, regard to this. So you and I, we find our, the flow of our daily life going by and we experience with it this to attend to, that to attend to, this to attend to and there's a, a constant proliferation of, of things which we are encouraged, invited to uh, start up, invited to get going and invited to finish and get complete. And probably if we were to take hold of a pen and a piece of paper and write down a list of things which we have to do and which are not yet done or what we would like to do uh, it would probably cost a few trees. So, so, so sometimes we look and we see all, all these things that being done, have to do, should do, must do and quite a lot of pressure going upon us. And just the uh, other day, the person who uh, uh, kindly does uh, some of my secretarial work at home, she came to my house and one has to bear in mind that um, um, I live in uh, Totnes, a few miles uh, south of here, which is regarded as one of the most laid-back areas anywhere, so laid-back, they're on their back. And she said to me, there must be something wrong with me because everybody is so busy and I'm not busy so there must be something wrong. And sometimes we have that compelling uh, thought so this is what I mean by um, attending to detail. Things not done, should be done, uh, will do. And of course in the context of a day here that can arise a great deal in the thinking process. There are, there are others, and this looking at our inner life and our state of mind, in which it's not so much so much to be done and so busy, so many details, but one feels that one is in some kind of change and transitional period in one's life. And in that change and transition, ideas pop up into the mind and usually they're relatively uh, good ideas and there's some potential and possibility but the difficulty is there are just so many of them and though we are encouraged as it were to uh, listen to our inner voice to see what's right to do the problem is that there are so many inner voices going on one is rather unsure which one is to listen to. 
in some respect, transition in life is going on every moment. And again, not having the overview in that way, we'll take a segment of our life, we'll take a piece of our life, we'll say, well, I'm in some kind of transition. And that feeling and experience of transition is what one knows is what one is coming from, usually. I was like this, I did this, I travelled here, I studied this, I lived with this person, I changed this place of living or whatever, or all of those. So I know what I'm coming away from, but I don't exactly know what I'm going to. And the inner life sometimes can feel very insecure in this situation, and rather than the capacity to stay with not knowing, one compensates by dreaming up lots of ideas. And sometimes we drive ourselves nutty with thinking about what I might do, could do, should do, will, will do, won't do uh, in the future. It might be telling us not so much about what the future will bring to us, but more, we are having difficulty in finding a steadiness in the inner life to stay with not knowing. And it's a pity. And of course we haven't had much uh, encouragement to do that because to stay with not knowing is often regarded in uh, our world as being uh, foolish. Well, one must know. But sometimes the fact is, of course, that we don't. So, the process here, the day-to-day here, is um, hopefully a skillful ways and means to helping us to be as clear as possible about, at this present moment, in this time, the condition of our inner life, and to some degree, the overview will contribute, hopefully, to getting what are clear, what are the priorities, what really matters. Sometimes, in difficult inner life, and that may manifest in various painful ways, and and stressful ways, and uh, confusing ways, and going through dark periods of of life, so all the ways that that can uh, happen, there is a certain kind of pressure which uh, arises, And, of course, in many respects, it tends to have the impact of uh, blocking out light, blocking out awareness, and blocking out hope. And so deeper things in life, we can lose access to them simply because in a period of time, things seem difficult, uh, dark, uh, overwhelming, and several of you will know this experience well. And so we find in those periods where we're really having a hard struggle with ourselves or, or with uh, uh, life itself, it can be hard to see the way forward. So sometimes we use the future in, uh, uh, to throw into it all our hopes, ideas, ambitions, expectations, daydreams and fantasies or whatever. And sometimes when there's pressure inside of the uh, uh, inner life, 
we can't see anything about the future. We can't see any uh, future. We can't see any hope, and we feel just bogged down in the difficulty. When that happens in the experience of uh, when that when that happens, it might be need to be, in fact, very very clear to us that sometimes we can't work things out and work them through ourselves. That sometimes the self is bogged down in that darkness and to think we can resolve all our own problems, see our our way through our uh, uh, difficulties, it all rests with us, sometimes is forlorn hope. And therefore the resource and the resources of others and uh, nature and immediacy of environment matter, sometimes matter more to us than what we actually realise and appreciate. So again, a feature of knowing ourselves is knowing what is possible with us and knowing where our limitations are and also equally knowing what are the resources around us which can give support. And as human beings living in contact and with nature as well, that sometimes we need more so than what we realise, sometimes we need desperately the kindness and the clarity and the wisdom of others and the openness of uh, nature and contact with nature. And these two, as that which surrounds us, can be a wonderful healing resource. And therefore I say, just to think I have to do it all by myself, on my on myself, uh, is uh, sometimes ambition gone wild. And therefore the the awareness and the um, history of these things is a, a twofold acknowledgement. One is, yes, we look at ourselves, we work on ourselves, and secondly, we respond and connect and learn and uh, listen to others and to what's around us. And it's the facilitation and the application of these two which can uh, be a tremendous resource to um, breaking uh, through even the darkest night. I remember once in um, uh, in Budgaya in uh, in India, where I had the privilege of giving the annual uh, uh, retreat, and an event um, occurred late one evening there, and. Sometimes we hear stories which are a metaphor and then the metaphor becomes the fact. And I thought it was rather a, what should we say, um, ironic place of metaphor and fact. Uh, that is, that one night between 9 10 in the evening, uh, one of the uh, retreatants uh, in the Thai monastery was walking on one side of the monastery uh, and it was uh, dark uh, there and on one uh, side of the uh, monastery there was a disused well and as she was doing her, would you believe it, walking meditation uh, over there taking uh, mindfully one step at a time she took one step too far and went straight can you imagine, straight down the bottom of the well. And 
Others uh, weren't near, it is in one, the far corner of the monastery. And, but what we could hear was a person yelling. And it was very difficult, since it was coming, as it were, from the bowels of the earth, where it was coming from. And then it clicked, oh my God, someone's gone down the bottom of the well. And, you know, wells are, are, are deep, it must be as deep as this room, I would have thought. So, we went uh, over there with uh, electric uh, speed and shone the torch uh, down the well and she was standing there, down there up to her waist in water feeling rather sorry for herself and asking to be pulled out. So we uh, got uh, a rope and uh, uh, some ledges, etc., etc., and looking rather dishevelled, wet, dirty, and feeling a bit uh, sorry for herself, uh, we got her out of the well and uh, miraculously unharmed. And I flashed back to a story of the Buddha two and a half thousand years previously who said, what is the... Uh, and asked about the uh, teachings and the uh, relationship to others in the teachings. He said, it's like a person who falls down the bottom of a well and what is necessary for that person to come out of the well? And it, when it's dark and difficult down there. And he said, firstly, those who are outside the well must be willing to give support. Secondly, the person down at the bottom of the well has to have the intention, the motivation to get out of the well. And thirdly, there's got to be the means. If there are those who are not in the well, if there's the means, in this case uh, the rope, and the person has the motivation, then one can get out of the well, get out of the darkness, get out of the difficulty, get out of the, the problem. There are, of course, uh, some people, of course, who climb out of these things themselves and all credit to them for it. But for the most part, in the darkness and the difficulty of circumstances of life, we often find ourselves, quite naturally, turning to people that we know, turning to loved ones, turning to people with experience in these matters as a resource for us. And so, as I say, the, the metaphor of the Buddha be, became the fact two and a half thousand years later, and probably happened a few times in between and since. And for those of you who are thinking of going to Budgaya, you will be relieved to know that there is now a brick wall around the well and it is covered up. But that may, that may not stop you from falling into other kinds of wells if you stretch in the metaphor. So, if we say, what is my intention like? This is the overview again. Am I genuinely committed? Am I really focused? Am I resolute and determined to live a free life and not feel trapped in, not feel stuck in, 
not feel overwhelmed by, not feel drowning in, or whatever. And that motivation, that intention, is a very important factor. But sometimes, as we know, when the road is rather rough and hard in life, and difficulty is, is there in the various ways that it can arise, sometimes it has an impact on the intention. Sometimes the energy is not there. The uh, strength is not there. The vitality is not there. And thus the mind feels weighed under. And again, in that keeping alive as much as possible and not easy in motivations and intentions and that awareness that sometimes in life and think when the road is hard and rough in life as it, as it can, can be it genuinely takes some uh, uh, patience and contact and support and, and that might need mean making it the first priority. It matters more than relationship, it matters more than the job, more than money, more than success in life or whatever, keeping heart and mind clear and keeping focus and motivation uh, matters. Everything else must, in that respect, take second place uh, to it. Because <clears throat> obviously, in our looking at life, in our relationship to life, if heart and mind is in good order, things are all right. Heart and mind isn't, nothing is. And yet we have no genuine training in our society and culture, as with others, in knowing and learning about the ways of the mind. Knowing and learning about how to deal with difficult situations. No, no training in our culture. And to me, that kind of training and development and application is the mark of being civilised. So, we, we come to a retreat to look at ourselves, to work with our heart and mind and body, and to uh, tend to that, and in that, of course, that does include looking to the detail, as I mentioned. So, here's the feature of today, and from the start to the uh, end of the day, and we might say, okay, here I come to the latter period of a single day in my life, what stands out for me? What, in today, in the flow of today, what features of it stand out? If I look in, with regard to um, uh, states of mind, which ones have I noticed? Have I felt to be a reasonably mindful and conscious human being uh, during the day? Or has there been an aspect or aspects of it which really are standing out to me? Right even as in the evening talk, let alone uh, during other periods. That state of mind, if it's a difficult one, unpleasant, unwelcome, unwanted and unsatisfactory, will need attending to. won't just fade away, it's in the inner life. It will need taking uh, uh, notice of. But equally important, very important, this feature of it, is states of mind, to use a technical term, dependently arise. Circumstances are there, it dependently arises. But a state of mind also passes away as well. 
And so the teachings have said and reminded us again and again when there is the absence of the difficult state of mind to really acknowledge very well and very clearly absence of. To be very clear about the absence of. You know, one might have a very difficult habit troubling for oneself, troubling for others or whatever and it bothers one. Smoking is, you know, would be the common one that many, many, many another chewing on one's nails or whatever people like to do these days. And then there's no desire in the mind. There's no irritation in the mind. There's no wanting uh, uh, in the mind or whatever. And one feels a relaxed state of being and there is the absence in that moment of that experience. Or one is feeling very unhappy, or very angry, or very worried, or whatever. And then there are moments in which that simply isn't there. One just stops. I'm not feeling unhappy, I'm not feeling anxious, I'm not feeling worry, I'm not feeling habitual, I'm not feeling negative, or whatever. The acknowledgement of the absence of matters as much as the acknowledgement of the presence of. When we can't appreciate the absence of, the tendency is to keep drawing the conclusion. I'm always caught up in my patterns. I'm always unhappy. I'm always confused. I can never handle a situation well or whatever. And the gross undermining generalizations begin to become a feeling of who we are. Then it's nightmare again. We start to create generalizations about ourselves and we believe it. And we live in the generalized view of who we are. And even when somebody, even when one goes to somebody and one says, I'm always so miserable. And then the person, our friend says, no, no, you're not. And gives three, one, two, three, four examples of appreciation and of connection and of gratitude. We just don't want to hear it. Because it's going to threaten the status quo of the view of ourselves that we are completely useless representation of the species. And so even when in things are pointed out to us, we reject it, we throw it away, we deny it, because why? We're clinging to a view of who we are. So teachings, when, it, when the difficulties are there and they come and go, and in their absence uh, of them, to appreciate it, to acknowledge that. So all, all of that is uh, the cultivation, in fact, the development of the, uh, the o- overview. But you might say, in all of this, though, you know, what, what does it mean to, to, to the supreme goal? What do we hear, hear terms like this? Buddhist uh, tradition has loved them and has used them uh, frequently. The supreme wisdom, the supreme truth, param, this supreme, whatever. And we might say, we might ask ourselves, does that or could that have any relationship to, 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 to me? In other words, there is the possibility that 
you and I, we get bogged down in the nitty-gritty details of life and we never create time to stand back from it and we never create time to ask ourselves what really matters, what genuinely is deeply significant. And to make space in one's time to do that, is a, in one's life to do that, I think is, shows a, a degree of maturity uh, in itself. And quite often, if, you, uh, if we stop, if you stop and just look, quite often something quite deep and significant actually comes through. I, I, to give you a um, small example, some, like yourself, some of us uh, have to uh, 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 travel and uh, sometimes we find ourselves seated next to you know, people, got in mind here, um, an, a- an aeroplane and uh, I must say every time my mild pang of conscience because uh, every time one looks up in the, in the clear sky and sees an aeroplane passing over you see this long, long trail of pollution uh, uh, be- behind it and one has to kind of uh, justify one's um, uh, uh, travelling around this world and the only way that uh, I justify it is if uh, what is said and what people do in terms of their practice on the retreats in various parts of the world genuinely are applied in day-to-day life. And then the environment could, can tolerate that uh, uh, pollution. However, that, let me get back to what I'm talking about. And so sometimes when it's sitting on an aeroplane and the person next to one wants to start a, com- uh, a conversation. I, I, um, I'm a very poor conversationalist on planes, but so let's say, where are you from? You know, next, and then the usual next question, what do you do? So in this business, it's hard to describe it. So um, I, I say uh, I'm a, t- uh, a teacher, and, and then quickly stare out of the window. Uh, and then the follow-up question uh, comes, oh, what do you teach? Do you teach in high school? Do you teach in primary school? Do you teach in university? And I uh, say, no. And then they say, what are you teaching? And then I say, meditation teacher. This this usually ends the conversation immediately, (laughs) Uh, etc. So sometimes in the very, um, what should we say, um, movement and uh, flow of our life and the way that it uh, uh, flows and expresses itself, there's the, the, the details of one's daily life. And, and then the person might say, well, what, what, what's meditation? You know, what, what's that? So then, to avoid um, answering, uh, I'll um, might say, what really matters to you? You say this to a complete stranger who you've got to share the next six hours on an aeroplane. <laughs> yeah, they, just, they just wanted to know who you are. They're just like quietly asking, a little curious or whatever. And then one throws a very profound question at them. <laughs> it's their turn to look down the aisle away of the aeroplane. <laughs> so what really matters? What, what, what really matters to you? And uh, um, sometimes, and generally speaking, people will respond with something which matters. Which not only matters for them, but matters for other people as well. 
you might, might, they might say love, uh, might say appreciation of being in the, uh, nature or doing for others or, 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 or being truthful, being honest, or, what, or living with integrity or, or whatever it might be. You know, and then I say, well, that's what meditation is all about. <laughs> um, you call it skillful if you like. Uh, so, in making and creating time, others ask us or we ask our, our, ourselves what matters. Sometimes it brings out of us, as I say, something which is not only important for our, of and for ourselves, but for life itself. Something greater than just personal self-interest. And teachings are an encouragement and a, a pointer um, uh, in that direction. But how easily and frequently, as I say, details of life, the minuscule of life, the everyday things of life, which certainly have a place, certainly matter, but they shouldn't matter that much. And maybe if we've got our priorities right in life, maybe what you and I do with our life and the way that you and I live fits in, connects in with something greater. And if we don't, I think we've missed out on something in life very, very important. And it's not un unusual uh, with regard to that. And you, you may know this from friends or family or from yourselves or, or from these um, icons that we create uh, in our, so our social world, that there can be, as it were, extraordinary manifestations of success in its outer appearance. And the inner story, the inner life, is something else. So outwardly, the person that appears to have achieved, have arrived, have got everything that they wanted, or whatever, and all that accompanies it, and yet touch the surface and probe a little bit more deeply and one might find the person feels very unfulfilled, uh, very dissatisfied, unhappy, lack of inner worth, and yet outwardly one can't possibly see why. And here we say, let's probe and let's look a, a, a little bit, a uh, little bit deeper. And sometimes the passions of of, of life in uh, the for and against get incredibly intensified. Just, 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 I actually got, I got it here, I wanted to follow up on what Russell said yesterday evening. Russell uh, uh, commented on um, the, uh, the Observer newspaper, uh, for those of you who are blessed to live in other countries, um, um, the Observer newspaper is a, a Sunday newspaper um, like the, it's kind of liberal and mildly serious, or too serious, really. And so, in the letter referred to five ways to uh, uh, escape the world, the World Cup. And I thought I'd read out the five because you get the alternative from here. So it says five ways to escape the World Cup. I'll read exactly what it says. One, Guy House Buddhist retreat. Guy House near Newton Abbott. Um, 19th and 28th of June, 162 pounds. That was the retreat with Christina, uh, Christina Feldman. 
Second, if you here you don't find satisfactory, is the Hollywood hunks season. Uh, cinemas are scheduling blockbuster films to coincide with football matches, except um, England and Scottish fixtures. <laughs> Third is Henlow Grange Health Farm in uh, Bedfordshire, traditional week of pampering and fitness. And this starts from £499.95. Fourth is Nature Days in Epping Forest Field Centre, which is running football-free courses for people who want to learn about natural history, suitable for all ages. And fifth, <laughs> the BBC experience. The Beeb, that means BBC, uh, new £5.5 million tourist attraction. Take part in the arches, if you're English, you know what this means. Direct a scene from EastEnders. Try your hand at weather forecasting and avoid the sports commentaries altogether. So anyway, this is the... So, um, after, after, reading, after reading this, I felt duty-bound to write a letter to the observer. <laughs> I'll, I'll read you the letter. They put as the headline, <coughs> The cup runneth over. <coughs> It says, in the review last week, you kindly offered five ways to escape the World Cup. You listed as number one, Gaia House, our Buddhist retreat centre. I'm afraid there's no escape. I give a retreat at Gaia House from June the 4th to 11th on liberation. It It will be nothing short of a miracle if I can avoid reference to the World Cup in the evening teachings. I am a diehard football fan, Torquay United. Yours to, the su- yours to the supreme goal, Christopher Titmus. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, anyway, the two matches are on tomorrow night and the following night, but anyway, that's something else. And so, sometimes in detail and overview, yeah, it's uh, uh, the mixture of the language here that. What started off with us, you know, I told you it wouldn't get past without a reference, with about 150 odd football, national football teams started off, went down to 32 teams, who are, as many of you will know, are, are now in France, and now from 32 it's now down to 40, four teams playing in the semi-finals. And literally a third of the human species, it is alleged, watch all of these games. And what are they watching for? The gold. The gold. <laughs> and all the thrill and the energy of, of, of their team, our team, any team, um, getting, getting the, the goal. And a number of you uh, uh, here will uh, have your various allegiances. And there is a great deal of energy and hype that goes along with it. Why, why not? But, and there's an, a significant one here, teaching's also pointing to the goal. But it's not the one, obviously, of the ball back in the net. Because what's the difference between the two? 
and obviously the difference between the two, one is short-lived, incredibly short-lived. And sometimes in our movements and the direction that our life goes in, we move to what goals that we have, and sometimes the goals that we set ourselves, but as we know, often and all too easily, very, very short-lived. And in the short-lived goal, becomes the seed in it for having and then generating yet another goal. And so our life kind of moves between relatively various particular kinds of goals that we move towards until death comes and whatever, takes away the goalpost and we're gone. So since life, and you and I and as human beings have an interest in the movement of life, see that the mind sets itself particular goals, often uh, uh, relative, whatever they might be, but it would be a pity, surely, to neglect the opportunity and the interest in the goal which is not short-lived, its complete fulfilment, of which there is no second. And thus everything, as it were, fits into that goal. Everything relates to it. Everything is on behalf of. Everything in connection to. And that's what the teachings tell us and remind us that if we, uh, as it were, want to get our house in order, we might say, then an aspect and a feature of that is that movement towards that goal which uh, is not short-lived, which is fulfilment. For some, that may have a word, a name to it. It might be love, it might be liberation, it might be God, it might be truth, it might be enlightenment or whatever. For others, there may not be any kind of word or description or mentality that feels appropriate uh, in any way. Yet, nevertheless, motivations, practices and meditations begin, as it were, to uplift the human spirit to something which is what's bigger than itself. Bigger than itself. Bigger than self. Greater than self. And therefore, in the flow of the days here, it might be worthwhile just creating a little time for some quiet reflection here, and to ask ourselves, is my, the focus of my life just concerned with the measurable? Is the focus of my life just concerned with the measurable? And what would it be to give one's priority and to give the focus to exploring, to finding out, to inquiring, what is that which is immeasurable? And even if it might seem terribly vague and uh, abstract and uh, at this particular uh, point in time, yet nevertheless, just to bring that to consciousness regularly will influence everything else. Like, like Jesus said, you know, rather uh, 
uh, one of his m- many marvellous uh, one-liners, said, first find God and everything else will be added unto you. Now that sort of one-line uh, statement needs to be taken to heart. But we don't, we say, oh, that was a nice thing to say. And then we get on with our playing football or something. So, in turning the attention uh, 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 in, in that way, it's recognizing some of the limitations. And as I said, for some of you, that is making transition. And in that uh, transition, it can sometimes include one knows what one can't do. One knows what one is moving away from. And all that we can say is meditate. Hang in. Stay steady. Stay receptive. Uh, When things are difficult, appreciate those moments of non-difficulty. All that helps to keep the inner life awake and open. And if one keeps steady with it, as the Buddha beautifully said, he said, it's like a log travelling down the river. If we don't get stuck on either bank, it has to go to the great ocean. Keep moving and it has to find its way to the ocean. And to a degree, if we get our priorities right and clear, we take an overview of life, we don't settle for anything less than the best and the best is liberation, then it will come. And that's the focus, heartfelt focus in a way, of what the practice and the meditation are about. Get the priority right in our life. The everyday things of life, important and useful and valuable as they are, will fit into something greater. And that will take much of the suffering out of the everyday life. We have a sense of something greater, which is marvellous and mysterious and genuinely liberating. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings look into life. May all beings keep as the first priority the supreme goal. So let's have a couple of uh, quiet minutes together, Larry, please.